0: Monday, the 11th of May, 2020. My name's Alex Elliott, and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened, and why we should care. Now, I'm joined again this week by two very special guests. Um, It's the second in the line of three uh, people who have been leading the national response to the COVID-19 outbreak, Alma Muller, head of the Directorate of Health, and I'm also joined by Iceland's Minister for Tourism, Industry and Innovation, Thordis Kolbrún Reykvíð Gylverdóttir. But first we start with Alma. Alma Müller, Director of the Directorate of Health in Iceland, Um, thank you for your time this morning. I'd like to begin, it's it's exactly a week since we relaxed part of the assembly ban and the other emergency measures. Um, In your opinion, how has that gone so far? Or is it too early to tell?
1: It's too early to tell. We have always said that it takes about at least two weeks and uh, back to three to four weeks until we see the effects. But until now, everything is okay and we have diagnosed only one case for the last seven days.
0: And is that beyond what you'd hoped for two months ago at this stage? Yes,
1: yes. We think that the curve went down very quickly and, and more quicker than we thought. So, um, yeah, it's a nice surprise.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's already talk of relaxing the rules further, even earlier than the start of June. How, because you said it, it does take at least two weeks for the for the for any future peak to come through. How can we be making these decisions right now?
1: Because we have done this uh, extensive screening in society and we know that the virus is It's not extensively spread, and also because we we see so few cases in the last days, even if we continue to screen. So that's why we have uh, decided that maybe we can go a little bit faster than we thought before. But we will always have to be prepared to take one step back if if, uh, we start to see more spread.
0: And that—that that is the plan, then, is it? It would be one step back. It wouldn't be right back to 20 people straight away.
1: It's difficult to tell. Maybe if we get an outbreak in a small community, we would take ex- extensive measures there only. So it would—we we can't say uh, now.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great news, as you say, only only one or two cases in the last week, but. One of the days last week, I believe there was two cases, neither of those were in quarantine beforehand. How worrying is that for you?
1: Well, we've always said that the virus is still around and our strategy is uh, continues to be that we detect cases early, that we isolate, that we uh, uh, use extensive contact tracing and isolation. So that will be our strategy. And And we are not so greatly worried if we get one or two cases, but we will have to stay vigilant.
0: Mm -hmm. And what is the main danger now? Because obviously there's not many people flying in and out of the country, so it's difficult for the virus to arrive with new people. Um, But that's going to start again at some point, presumably. Um, So what is the danger
1: Well, it's this, that we get an outbreak, maybe in an uh, elderly home or in a small community in the countryside, because uh, we think the virus is here. So that's the main concern, I think. Mm -hmm. We we are not worried that we are going to see an uh, extensive second wave, as it looks now, but Mm -hmm. maybe smaller outbreaks.
0: Uh, now, not necessarily looking to what you believe will happen, but from your professional perspective, what would be the best way of, of of opening the borders again, for example? Because would you would you wait for all of the countries to be in the same position as we are now, or
1: there are very different strategies. You can make an agreement with uh, countries that have the maybe uh, the same spread and have have uh, dealt with uh, with the outbreak in the same way. Uh, we could uh, maybe screen at the border and there are very many different ways that are discussed at the moment but nothing has uh, been decided on.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, talking of treatment, uh, first of all, Has there been any recent advancements in treatment? Because I understand that that's one of the ways that we could look to release controls is if we can treat this illness, regardless of if we can have a vaccine or not. Um, Has there been any recent progress there?
1: Well, uh, I think Iceland has uh, done uh, great. And that's thanks to the outpatient clinic that we could monitor each and every infected person. And we did that with telehealth. And with uh, early intervention and it's now no doubt in my mind that we could uh, we had fewer hospital admissions we've been learning a lot more on on intensive care treatment how to ventilate and so on and I think uh, Icelandic critical care did excellent work and then there is uh, uh, new medicines we have uh, we have now uh, remdesivir in Iceland, but only to use on very special cases. So there, there is no breakthrough regarding treatment, but but you know more more knowledge about the disease and and uh, how to deal with symptomatic uh, treatment. Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously. Humanity overall is putting in unprecedented effort to try and find a vaccine. Are we, are we involved in that in Iceland, in trying to find a vaccine?
1: Um, not, to, not directly, but uh, uh, DECO genetics have extensive knowledge on the virus, and I know they are sharing its knowledge, but otherwise we are not uh, in the position to, to be directly involved.
0: The hospital capacity was significantly increased to deal with hospitalized cases, um, more protective gear, more ventilators, are they still all going to be available and and ready on standby for if we get a second peak?
1: Yes, that's extremely important. And especially the PPE, we must have uh, enough in stock to be able to to deal with a second wave. That's very important. And of course, the ventilators are already here.
0: when would that be likely obviously we hope we don't get a second wave but how long do you keep this presumably quite expensive to maintain beefed up um, preparedness going for
1: that's impossible to say maybe we will see some new cases of course when we open the borders but in my opinion we are uh, prepared so and we have our uh, we have our system in place both to uh, to diagnose and and trace and and treat, so it's impossible to say. I think we will see a a few cases smouldering on for a long time, Mm. maybe more than an outbreak.
0: Do you think it might be here to stay in the same way as the seasonal flu is?
1: It's also impossible to say, but some believe so, that it will be like a seasonal influenza, but we don't know yet.
0: Currently, we've got this 14-day quarantine um, for people coming into the country. That seems very sensible. Looks like it will continue for a while. But that's really very bad for, for example, the tourism industry. How can we release that safely?
1: Uh, as I, I said before, maybe by testing It's and everyone And And uh, if we um, educate our tourists, you know, how to behave and so on. And if they get the app for uh, tracing, So I hope really that we can um, get our tourists back, but we will have to be very careful. But in my opinion, um, we should start to take steps maybe in June.
0: Is that sort of testing, is that completely reliable, especially if someone has recently contracted the virus?
1: No, nothing is completely reliable. It only gives you... um, how the status is at that moment but if you have maybe uh, if you tested in your country four days ago i think that would be helpful and also if we test at our borders also of course if people have already uh, antibodies but these are so few i believe we we don't know how many have contracted the infection mm-hmm. but probably maybe not more than 5%. So we would rely on on this uh, testing for the virus. So I, I think it could be helpful, but nobody knows. And we are trying to evaluate if it's reasonable to do or not.
0: You mentioned the app briefly there. Um, that was one of the key things that the Icelandic health authorities did was to introduce this tracing app very early. Um, that worked, didn't it? That worked really well.
1: Yeah, it helps. Uh, it helps our uh, tracing team. So it's built on GPS uh, location, and if you, you are infected, then uh, the, the tracing team can uh, access your your location for the last two weeks, and together, then uh, you go through your movements, and it can help you to remember where you were and who you met. Mm.
0: And has that generated interest overseas in the app technology?
1: Yes, everybody uh, is is looking into using apps with some with GPS, other with uh, Bluetooth, and so on. And I know our team here in Iceland has uh, met with some some foreign uh, countries that are uh, trying to develop their their app.
0: Does contract tracing? lose some of its power in a, in a much more densely populated country than Iceland, do you think?
1: I guess everything is easier in a sparsely populated country like Iceland. So I, I, I'm sure it's more difficult in densely populated areas. And indeed, I I think that our success in Iceland, if, if we believe that we have been successful, it depends on that we are a, a small population. So it's much more easy for us to keep oversight and control. Mm -hmm. And we are also uh, large enough to have been able to give excellent healthcare. So I think um, that's a a part of our success story that we are so few.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, because we are running out of time, on a a personal level, um, obviously your position at the Directorate of Health is an important one, but you haven't necessarily been a celebrity, uh, but you kind of are now. You've been in front of the public directly for two months every day with Thor Thorolvur and Vidir. Um, how has it changed your life?
1: Well, I haven't had so much of a personal life for the last two months. I've been working and then at home mostly sleeping. So I've just started to go <laughs> out and meet people and it's fun that everybody is greeting you and talking to you, but... It has been okay so far.
0: Mm-hmm. There was fairly early on. There were some threats, I believe, you received uh, together, and and that can't have been nice.
1: No, but it wasn't so serious. Somebody made threats, and the police involved with um, putting more security uh, for us, and it was not. I was not afraid or anything.
0: Mm. The response, the, the way Iceland has dealt with this by putting you three up as opposed to three perhaps politicians, has been. Different to a lot of different countries, and it seems to have worked out really well, doesn't it? I,
1: I believe so. Uh, we we set out to uh, to give good information to the public and and to be honest, and I think that has um, paid itself.
0: Alma, mm-hmm. well, thank you very much for your time. Thordis Kolburn Reykviad Gilvadottir, Minister for Tourism, Industry and Innovation. First of all, thank you for your time today. You could have been forgiven a couple of months ago when Iceland first got hit by this pandemic for feeling perhaps on the sidelines as the health ministry was very much in the centre. That has reversed these days and, and, and your ministry is central to the crisis response right now. Um, how is it affecting your work here?
2: Well... I would say everything um, we do here and look into and are working on is all really related to COVID, obviously. Um, as Minister of Tourism, it's uh, sometimes difficult days. I mean, the, the status there is, of course, um, very difficult for many people, many uh, companies. Mm. And the future is very, you know, we, we don't really know um, when it's realistic to say that Iceland is open for tourism and in what way and how that will then affect the companies that are now still uh, ongoing and of course the the ones that will pop up um hopefully as minister of industries it's also uh, uncertainty is also all over i mean we have the aluminium smelters and the challenges there were before covid also now of course we know that the aluminium is i mean we are still the world is producing but the world isn't Um, using as much and other areas in industry as well so the innovation part um, of course we have innovation in tourism, innovation in industries, innovation in fisheries, innovation in health tech, in in health industry and and everywhere Um, but still the innovation part is uh, we have a lot of opportunities there so we have been trying to focus very deeply on the innovation sector um, regulations um, how we can uh, somehow move faster in uh, developing that area here so we can, you know, the, the solutions lie there, um, the jobs lie there, and uh, I think we will definitely be a stronger society um, if we do right when it comes to innovation and, you know, decide to be an innovative country with very innovative people because we have a lot of innovative people here, and uh, in my mind, it's also very important to get uh, more foreigners from abroad to move to Iceland to start up a company, to work in a company because we need bigger talent pool. So we have all the infrastructure here. So you know everything we do here is to focus on that and how how Iceland 2.0 is gonna. Look like, and that's of course very exciting.
0: That is exciting, and it's it's also a little bit ethereal, isn't it? Because industry is very concrete; you can see it. You know what it is: fisheries, tourism. They're all very concrete. Mm-hmm. Innovation is a little bit more of a concept, isn't it? So, what does what does innovation look like from your perspective?
2: Um, you know, when
0: as a, as an economic sector, I should say.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Somehow it's a bit uh, difficult to talk about because in my mind it isn't really one sector. You, know, you couldn't say innovation is this sector because innovation makes uh, every sector stronger, more competitive, um, better solutions. Uh, so if you have a lot of innovation in the education system, in the health system, in every industry, in, within tourism, within fisheries, um, you get stronger sectors, stronger industries. So, you know, hopefully we will be able to have innovation in just everywhere, both, you know, both within the environment. So we have individuals deciding, you know, do I want to work within a hospital or do I want to be um, a nurse that is an entrepreneur? And hopefully we will have uh, enough room within the healthcare system for entrepreneurs working there. Um, So whether you decide to, you know, start your company on your own or if you want to uh, work for a company in every, you know, it doesn't matter what industry it is, we just need more innovation all over and everywhere, both to be able to, um, you know, face the challenges that we see and also just to be, you know, a stronger society that, that have better solutions for everyone. I mean, we have, like every other country, we have more and more people that are getting old, which is very good, which means that we have, you know, quality of life here, which is good. But that means that we need new solutions to be able to, you know, just, just uh, have these strong systems, welfare system that we want to uphold. And that costs a lot of money. So we need uh, new solutions, uh, which makes it easier for us to pay for it, but also uh, gives, you know, better service to the people that need it and hopefully also uh, makes it more fun to work within those systems. Mm-hmm.
0: In the shorter term, um, the government has given a very vital lifeline to a lot of businesses. they sort of put basically the whole tourism industry on, on, on life support at the moment, um, and it seems to be working, but it can't go on forever. It's too expensive for that. So how do you see it ending? How do you see it coming back to life again?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, first... Uh, When we really, when everyone really believed and hoped and and thought that this was only going to be three or four months, um, our first actions, you know, reflected that, that we thought, okay, if we just do this together for the next 12, 14, 16 weeks, we will then just come through it and we will be able to continue. Then, of course, now we see that the crisis is much deeper. It's going to take a long time and we really don't know how the future is going to look like um so the actions that we've taken for the last couple of weeks they uh reflect that situation that the situation has really changed from early march um so i think you know the the actions that we've uh taken now all combined i would say you know it's it's not i don't think we will have a lot more bigger actions uh regarding tourism for example you know you have we've tried to make it easier for everyone, for the ones that, you know, will survive this, um, for the ones that need to kind of go to sleep, if I may say so, for, for some months, uh, maybe up to a year, and also for the ones that will not survive. Um, and of course we have companies that will not survive, and, and uh, we also need, you know, we need both, the environment needs to be strong enough to new companies within tourism to pop up, but also, we need environment where uh, people that run, ran those businesses or worked within those businesses see opportunities in, in starting doing something else, um, no matter what that could be. So I think we, the actions that we have taken is, it is what it is, and, and now we see the people that are running the businesses need to decide you know, what of, what of these actions uh, apply to their uh, businesses. And then hopefully we will soon be able to talk about how we're going to open the country, and then the companies can hopefully see, you know, some light <laughs> in the end of the tunnel, and and trying to see, you know, what what Iceland is going to look like after COVID, and what tourism is going to look like after COVID. I think, I think we will um, see very changed uh, travel behavior uh, within the world, um, and of course the. The uh, flight industry is, I mean, we really, uh, you know, Iceland is an island and 99% of the people come here by plane. So if the flight industry, um, if the future there is very difficult and we see a lot of changes there, that's going to reflect on on Iceland. So, you know, it goes hand in hand how the um, airlines are going to survive and how they're going to change. And what kind of destination Iceland is gonna be, because we we just you know we that's the way that the tourism uh sector survives here that we we have strong and good and many connections so but you know even though we will see uh, very changed travel behaviour um I think the future for tourism is still strong in iceland it's it's probably gonna change. Um, and I think that's it, it doesn't need to be bad that it's going to change. I mean, we, uh, there's also lies a lot of opportunities in that. Uh, but still, even though the uh, travel behavior is going to change a lot, I still think the future is strong because, you know, two million tourists is a lot for Iceland, but it's very tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of uh, all of the people that are traveling. So even though it's going to be less, even though it's not going to be the same in the next years so or maybe ever, it doesn't need to affect Iceland as uh, a tourist destination.
0: Tourism was one of the big ways that Iceland got out of its last crisis mm-hmm. ten years ago. Um, is there anything on the horizon that you're seeing as, as the new tourism, as the, as the next big thing potentially?
2: Um, I mean, hopefully, and I really do hope that the innovative sector is going to be that because it doesn't mean that it's going to. It's not only going to be, uh, you know, games, or it's not only going to be whatever it's it's going to be you know if if we are able to um, have a strong innovative and entrepreneurship in iceland uh, and the um, environment is developed and and strong and we have uh enough understanding and enough uh talent pool and enough money that are you know ready to invest in those um, new companies that's gonna i think that's gonna be the you know the, the opportunities lies there but of course, that's going to take time. It doesn't move as fast as, as a tourist that hops on a plane and decides to come to Iceland. So, you know, it's going to take longer time. And, of course, I mean, I I am worried that that this crisis is going to... I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe these words will uh, not... Uh, hopefully, they will be outdated in a couple of months or in a year. But I am worried that we don't have the same uh, maybe easy answers as we had to. I mean, we we did a lot of actions after the uh, financial crisis that, that helped us regarding the banks um, and all kinds of stuff that we don't see now. It, it's gonna be a different one and it might take longer time. We might see unemployment, high unemployment for longer time. I really hope we won't. Um, and I don't think, I mean, uh, no nation is, is really good at having a high employment, of course, but we are really not used to it. So I, it wouldn't be good if we would see that kind of future for many years, high unemployment. Um, but I don't know. We, Of course, the, the future is just very uncertain at the moment. Uh, so we try to both uh, rescue the things that we can rescue, but also plant seed and, and try to do what we can to to have focus on, on the opportunities and the future. And the future is gonna be, I mean, I think a lot of things are gonna be different after COVID. And hopefully we won't go back uh, in all areas. I hope we will build on the, the fact that everyone is using technology diff- uh, you know, more and different than we used to. And I hope the, the, like I said, the healthcare system and the educational system will will build on that change behavior um, for the last couple of weeks into the future because you know the the opportunities really lies there and and i really believe that we can be you know we can um export that that knowledge uh we see little startups you know exporting their knowledge to abroad um now within the covet uh, times and hopefully more of that in the future so so you know the the future is uncertain but some days I'm worried that it's going to take a very long time. And some days I really believe that it's, you know, we will figure out a way out of this. Um, so we have to, you know, we also have to believe that we can. You know, we have to have hope. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, to, to make it more likely that we, we can. not But, you know, it's really necessary to have hope because we definitely can get out of this. And I mean, Iceland compared to so many countries... We are uh, despite everything very fortunate. we have very strong infrastructure, uh, strong welfare system, um, strong people, and strong you know we, we we can do what we decide to, and we just need to do it together that's also very important
0: i also I feel like being in a crisis or not being in a crisis is partly personal opinion if you yeah. if, if life is feeling okay because I think a lot of people have discovered during this so far that we can travel less and spend less and, and still feel okay and then maybe the economy is smaller but you still don't want for anything and that might not be a bad thing mm-hmm. from an environmental perspective and, and others
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean fortunately not everyone has lost their job so you know we have a lot of people doing okay and the couple of weeks we have all uh, spent more time uh, most of us spent more time at home uh with the kids you know making dinner going out and i think you know lowering and slowing the tempo has been good and it's maybe that's part of the part of the things that we wouldn't really want to go back to you know always being in the fifth gear running um but still we also see that without uh strong companies doesn't matter what size they are uh you can't run a strong welfare system if you if the society is not making the money to you know uh pay for it so we also see how crucial it is to, uh, you know, having having strong companies and having um, the the opportunities to to do better, to be able to uh, live up to the quality of life that we want to have here.
0: Well. There we have it. Just like that, another week of The Week in Iceland comes to an end. Uh, as ever, my sincere thanks to my guests Alma Müller and Thortis Kolbrún Reykjyöð Gilberdóttir. We end this week. Actually, before that, now of course I should tell you that The Week in Iceland will return to roof.is forward slash English. RUV English on Facebook, to the RUV app and to your favourite podcast provider next Monday, the 18th of May. Now, we finish today's show with the new song from Yonsi, uh, better known as the lead singer of Sigur The song is called Exhale, and it's, uh, it's a bit of a slow burner, but give it a couple of listens and I think you'll love it. I especially like it for its chorus, which seems to speak directly to a lot of people today who are feeling a certain way. It says, uh, this is just the way it is. It isn't your fault. Just let it go. And I think that's very nice. Anyway, bye for now.
1: Just to years. It isn't your fault. It isn't your fault. Just let it go. It's just the way it isn't your fault it isn't your fault just let it go it's just the way it is it isn't your fault it isn't your fault just let it go